Welcome back to the Snack Walls Podcast. I'm Mike Roberts, your host, and we're here to talk about increasing and maintaining diversity in tech beyond the perks. While companies think they can lure people in with unlimited PTO and dogs in the office, we're here to talk about how you keep them. All right, I'm going to throw it over to our special guest today. Can you tell us in a few sentences who you are and what it is that you do? Hi, my name is Katie McLaughlin, and I'm the founder of McLaughlin Method. And I specialize in helping, especially tech startup uh, founders and executives to build an inclusive workplace and engage their employees so that way they perform and ultimately their business is successful as a result. So essential. So I am a entrepreneur myself, a small business owner. I'm an entrepreneur in residence. That's a pretty fancy title at UCSD Ooh. this year. So um, that's going to be exciting. And so I think this is a great conversation we're about to have. And I'm super excited to hear your answers to these questions. So I'm going to start with the, the first one here. I'm hearing from so- some thought leaders that finding diverse uh, talent in tech is a challenge. What are your thoughts? Well, my first question would be back to them. Where are you looking? Because that is usually a product of the talent that we get, that many people are, you know, from different backgrounds. We all have different exposure to different uh, posting sites for jobs or networks for jobs. And a lot of companies, especially tech companies, rely really heavily on referrals for their, uh, their new hires. And especially I would say in engineering, I know, uh, being in the Seattle area here, there's a lot of engineers, a lot of uh, developers, and a lot of them all kind of look the same uh, if we think about what their demographics are. And that's a kind of product of natural human behavior is that we are herd animals. And so our initial animal instinct is to surround ourselves with people that look like us. So that's the first thing that I would ask is that they need to be looking in other places because there are people out there from all backgrounds, all walks of life, who are trying to get into tech. Absolutely. And I think it's a great place to try and get into, right? These are well-paying careers and yeah. I think the future of work. So it makes sense that people start expanding their their networks. So what do you think about the push to remove the requirement for CS degrees for many of these software engineering roles? I think it's a great way to open up the field to more people and uh, especially for people from different backgrounds. One of the biggest advantages I think that a hiring manager could have would be hiring somebody who doesn't just know how to code, but knows how to think, knows how to um, look at something critically. And also the problems of tomorrow aren't gonna be solved by what's in a textbook today. So we need people who are creative. We need people who are um, willing to think outside of the box. And you're not necessarily just gonna get that from kind of your standard degree path. Those folks are still going to have that, but it, that's not the hallmark of somebody who is creative or somebody who is, um, you know, able to kind of think differently than others. Yeah, totally agree. And so, again, back to your first answer: if it's the same network, if it's the same homogeneous crowd that you're working with, you're probably not going to get different results. You're going to get more of the same. So totally. Well, and you never know what you're going to get from somebody who comes from a different degree background. Um, so I have spent a long time in tech and especially on kind of the learning and development front. And I don't have a learning degree. I don't have an HR degree. My degree is in theater. And that is what helps me every day to communicate, to connect and to see problems from a creative angle. 
And of course, with theater, the show must go on. So I know how to meet deadlines. So, Absolutely. you know, you just kind of never know what you're going to get. And with theater, especially, because it is one of those where it's like, you know, you must have like a theater background. Or something. Like, <laughs> totally. You presented that or you said it, like, you know how to hit those those points. So, yeah, totally get that. What do you what do you think about an apprenticeship pattern? Do you think that would work for tech roles? A million percent. Um, I think the most of the job, most of the way we learn how to do things on the job, and this is what I, my, my specialty is, is about how we learn and how we grow and uh, develop performing employees. The way that you learn most of the job is on the job. Now, you can be taught about the culture, you can be taught about the values, you can t- be taught about the code base you know, from a trainer but it's your manager and your peers who are creating more of that on the job learning. And you learn also by messing up. So that is one of the fastest ways for us to learn is by failing. And so if we don't have the opportunity to get that experience, I'm actually bringing an apprentice on, um, a marketing apprentice on right now into my business, because I really value being able to help people to see how they can transfer their skills from one place to another. Um, And then it's also a great opportunity from an employee recruitment perspective to help show those apprentices that your place to work actually is that great place to work uh, and isn't just talking about it. Absolutely. So it is where the rubber meets the road. So I like that you're putting that pattern into practice with a marketing role as well, because I think for a lot of folks, when they hear when I use the word apprentice, sometimes they echo back and they say, oh, that's great that you do internships. And I'm like, that's not the word I said. Right. <laughs> so, so it's totally. great that you're applying the pattern like beyond even like where, where my goal is, which is the more um, hands-on keyboard software engineering. But it could be used yeah. across the board. Anytime you have a master that has some knowledge that they can transfer, like I think apprenticeship could be a good fit. So Totally. What advice would you share with a company that's looking to retain diverse staff? So let's say they've done a good job in attracting folks. How do you keep them? Well, whether or not people stay at a company is usually a really big product of the culture and the product of not the events and the activities that you do, but it's in those day-to-day, I refer to it as being in the in-between. So it's between your all-hands meetings, it's between your team meetings, it's, your culture is embedded in the conversations people have on Slack and, um, you know, the, the way that you get feedback, the way your work is reviewed, if your work is reviewed. Um, So all of that really builds into people's expectation or understanding of whether or not this organization actually aligns with their personal values. I've been doing some uh, learning uh, on values and fit and how that relates to the workplace. And it's our perception of whether or not we align rather than does it align on paper. So that's really a felt lived experience. And and that's really where it's the I part of DEI comes into play where inclusion becomes the linchpin to whether or not someone's going to stay or if they're going to leave because they feel like an outsider or because they feel like they can't share their values or they can't be themselves. That's one of the things that with the Black Lives Matter movement, when I was doing a lot of listening uh, at first, I really latched on to what people shared about not feeling like they could be their true selves uh, in whatever space that they were in. And that really should be part of the goal is that we are 
not only celebrating diverse people and what they look like, but we're celebrating diverse cultures and ideas and perspectives. That is what helps us to meet tomorrow's business challenges. Absolutely. And I think it's a false narrative that it's the, it's the limitless Croy over here that keeps me going. Um, yeah. it's, it's really more about, um, can I bring my whole self to work and feel like it's valued and not yeah. just like tolerated? <laughs> totally. Yep. Well, and I also think it's about, can I speak up? Right. And, you know, when I see, you know, the subway um, or public transit motto of like, see something, say something that has to happen in the workplace too, both about sure. positive things and negative things. And if you don't feel like your opinion is valued, you're not going to speak about either of those things. Um, and that could cause a really big problem for some companies. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. Who is someone like yourself that you'd like to acknowledge as a leader and think might be a guest or, or a good guest on a podcast like this, not just a guest, a great guest. Yeah. So I would love to nominate Raya Gonzalez uh, okay. from link consulting. She is focused on the client experience. And I think she might have a really interesting angle for you. All right. So she's now on the radar. I'm going to see if I can yep. get her on the program. Where can we find out more information about you and your company? Great. Well, you can find me at McLaughlinMethod.com, uh, which it might be hard to spell. So I'll spell it out. It's M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N, uh, McLaughlinMethod.com. And I've got a offering that's really great for the end of the year going into 2020, thinking about how are you going to plan out your uh engagement strategies going into the next year. Uh, it's my jumpstart engagement strategy and action plan where I'll work with the executive leadership team to come up with an action plan for 2021. There you go. CXO, get it. I'll put the link in the show notes below. And uh, I think that's a good way to end off the year and prepare for 2020. 2021 is going to be amazing. I mean, it has to be because 2020 has to be a disaster. <laughs> Yeah. So last question, and this is the most important. What have you been snacking on lately? What's your favorite snack? My favorite snack lately is the bitterest of dark chocolate, like 85% or higher. I particularly like the 85% chocolate bar from Ghirardelli. Nice. That's like, that's like rocket fuel right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't eat sugar, so that's as close as I get. That's good. No sugar too. Wow. All right. That's hardcore. Okay. Now, <laughs> mad respect. So thank you again so much for coming on the program. I think um, these, these engagements, uh, the conversations that we're having are super important. And I feel like um, without folks like you, Katie, this thing wouldn't work. So thanks again. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. The San Diego Code School is a proud sponsor of the Snack Walls podcast. The San Diego Code School is leading companies to tech equity. The Tech Enabled Apprenticeship Program is a venture whose heart is to do a lot of social good and do good work. You can help San Diego Code School secure funding for change by hiring developers, bringing a team in to relieve your backlog, or becoming a program sponsor. You can visit us on the web for more information at http colon forward slash forward slash sdcs.io. 